What's up everybody? This week we look at an underrated Christmas classic, The Muppets Christmas Carol. That and a whole lot more is to come, because maybe it was dumb. It was obvious. It was pointless. It was short. I loved it. Welcome to the show. You know, guys, that's what I think of that movie. It's actually true to life. It is something that I love. How's everybody doing on this fine couple of weeks before Christmas? Um, yeah, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and everything in between. How are y'all doing this week? Uh, as you can see, I am flying solo. Yeah, I'm doing the first episode of this season by myself, not including the Truman Show. And I can just say that, man, I'm terrified right now. Um... No, not because of anything more, but because I tend to ramble when I do these things by myself. So, um, anyway, guys, I hope everybody is doing well. Um, basically, but I wanted to do this one on my own because this one means a lot to me. Uh, this episode means a lot to me in the sense of The Muppet Christmas Carol is definitely one of my favorite movies. And it's one of my favorite movies. So, nobody can, you know, tell me anything that... And I know this sounds arrogant, I know this sounds wrong, but I mean, it's, you know... It's something of my childhood that, I, that I'd like to relive for everybody. So that's why I'm doing. Um, talking of this holiday season, I hope everybody is doing well for the uh, whatever they, they celebrate. And, you know, uh, we just recently had Hanukkah for the, all the Jewish listeners out there. Um, happy Hanukkah to everybody. And we have Christmas coming up and a couple of other holidays that I'm not entirely sure. And, man, it's a stressful time. It really, really is. And, you know, I'm just hoping that everybody this year at Christmas doesn't necessarily get a whole bunch of gifts and trinkets and toys and everything like that, but they just get something that they need, you know, something that uh, in life that they could do with, something that is, you know, makes them happy. And if that's a new phone, that's great, but if it's just, uh, you know, love and companionship, that's also great too. Yes, I know I'm waxing, I'm lyrical, and I'm... Um, rambling but that's okay you know um also uh some good news uh i have been renewed for a fifth season woo on what network you ask no no um basically put i was thinking about making uh the next two episodes the last two of the podcast and i decided to look at the numbers that were going down and they were better than i expected over the recent weeks so i have decided that i'm coming with season five will start in february and I'm hoping to have a lot of the guys who we had this season, you know, Sarah, Luke, uh, Greg, uh, Dexter, Ben, Tara, and a couple more guys, you know, just to come on and talk about something. Uh, we are going to go back to doing some of the, you know, uh, scenes and stuff like that, but um, in a slightly different way. Uh, it's not just going to be me rambling for a couple of hours. I am actually going to have guests every single week, or I'm going to try to anyway. And so, you know, just to hear insights from people who are living in those situations, and not, not that these situations are bad or anything like that, but like, you know, people who are living in the toms is uh, i guess what i'm going to be doing so we're going to be kicking off next season in february um and i'm looking forward to it you know it's it's this season has been long and you know completely review based um yeah it's been good it's been good but i like to get some of the other stuff done too so like i said watch out in february we should be uh going around about then so guys if you're on facebook twitter tumblr look at because maybe pod look about blog on because maybe podcast.wordpress.com look us up on youtube and spotify and uh, just look up because maybe pod we are also available on podbean and apple podcasts so with that in mind guys i want to take you into the mind of one of my favorite christmas movies one of my favorite movies of all time the classic muppet christmas carol Christmas morning! Tis the season to be jolly and joyous. 
With a burst of pleasure we feel it arrive It's a season when the saints can employ us To spread the news about peace and to keep love Why do you come to me? We're Marley and Marley, avarice and greed Took advantage of the poor, just ignored the needy. We specialized in causing pain, spreading fear and doubt. And if you could not pay the rent, we simply threw you out. <laughs> every day, in every way, Scrooge is getting worse. Review Corner. All right, guys, thank you for uh, taking the time to listen to this. Like I said, I am flying solo today, so this is more of an opinion piece rather than a discussion. So if that doesn't interest you, just go ahead to the end of the podcast and thank you for joining it. Uh, but in the meantime, for those of you who hung around, um, let's talk about The Muppet Christmas Carol. Um, I said before it's one of my favorite Christmas movies, and I was eight years old when it first came out, and I didn't watch it until I was about nine or ten. And so it came out in 92. Uh, I didn't watch it until 93. And I always remember uh, where I was when I watched it, me and my friend Carl, uh, we, we watched it and like, I, I thought it was a hilarious movie and, you know, it was a very, very good movie, right? It combined the musical element of a musical, it combined the drama of Dickens and it combined the comedy and wackiness that you'd expect from the Muppets. Um, one while playing Salem, however, a couple of years before that, uh, Jim Henson, the legendary creator of the Muppets, Sesame Street, you know, et cetera, et cetera, uh, he passed away. And he left his company in the hands of his son, Brian, and it was his directorial debut. Uh, also, there were a couple of people, you know, a couple of the characters that uh, Jim Henson had actually personally voiced, and they were handed over to other people. So the Muppets weren't exactly, you know, flying great because of that. And plus, their popularity had waned just a little bit. I mean, Sesame Street was still on the air. And you had Fraggle Rock coming in, and the actual Muppet Muppets were seen as, oh, okay, yeah, it's the Muppets again. Okay, you know. So they had a lot going against them. And, you know, with Disney's backing, uh, they took a $15 million uh, profit, a more than $15 million profit, on a movie that not many people thought would do that well. I mean, you had Michael Caine, sure, but, I mean, again, Michael Caine wasn't at the, the peak of his career at this point either. You know, so it, it was a case of... I guess the equivalent nowadays would be if they did a SpongeBob SquarePants movie with Ben Affleck. You know, I'm not comparing Affleck to uh, Michael Caine, although I do think Affleck's a good actor. But you, you get what I'm trying to say. You, t- you take a guy who's on the way, not necessarily on the way up, but on the way down. Plus, at the time, um, Christmas Carol remakes had been done to death. Uh, you had, you know, the, the Christmas Carol in the 80s. You had Scrooged. You had many, many different plays on it. So, you know, the idea of the Muppets doing it, it just seemed like another grab. So, you know, the uh, the company just decided, you know, we'll just go ahead and do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. And so, you know, uh, Walt Disney and Jim Henson Productions with uh, Winter Vista uh, sent this out. Uh, the movie was written by Jerry Jewell. If I got that wrong, I apologize. And it was directed, produced by Brian Henson, along with Martin G. Baker. Um, basically, as we've mentioned before, this is a complete retelling of Charles Dickens' classic, The Christmas, uh, a Christmas Carol. But... The good thing about it is, is that it was, it was hilarious. I mean, the Muppets did, did their part and everything like that. Um, we'll go into the themes and, and, and the plot here in a minute, but the cast was basically, it was Michael Caine as the big human star. And, and I say that because, you know, there is human and, um, 
uh, Muppet casts. But Michael Caine was the big star. Uh, Stephen McIntosh was, I guess, the second most popular human playing Fred Scrooge, uh, Ebenezer's nephew. You had Belle, played by Meredith Braun, who was Ebenezer's love interest. And uh, for fans of the Inbetweeners, uh, Robin Weaver played Clara Scrooge. Excuse me. So, you know, it was... It wasn't a, a, a human-heavy movie. In fact, pretty much the, the humans were extras, with the exception of maybe these four characters, and one or two smaller parts. Uh, the rest of the cast was made up by Muppets. Uh, you had Steve Whitmere, who played Kermit the Frog, Rizzle the Rat, Beaker, and a new character called Belinda Cratchit. Uh, basically, play uh, Kermit the Frog played Bob Cratchit, Rizzle the Rat was a uh, narrator, and Beaker was a charity collector. Uh, you had Dave Golis playing uh, the great Gonzo, who was Charles Dickens. Waldorf, who was Robert Marley, not Jacob. We'll get to that here in a second. Uh, you had Bunsen as a charity collector and another uh, original character, Bettina Cratchit, just for, you know, for the sake of this movie. You had uh, Jerry Nelson playing Robin the Frog as Tiny Tim. Stadler as Jacob Marley. And he played the man in the suit and the voice of the Ghost of Christmas Present. And I loved that character. That, that, that to me was like, you know, the epitome of the jolly old fat man. right? And I loved that character. And we'll get into it here in a minute. Uh, the legendary Frank Oz was was playing Miss Piggy as Emily Cratchit, Fozzie Bear as Fozzie Wig, which is a play on Fezziwig, uh, Stadler, who was Jacob Marley, Sam the Eagle, the schoolmaster, and Animal. And then you had uh, David Rudman playing Peter Cratchit, another new character, and the Swedish chef. Now, you had a couple of other Muppets here or there, but those are the ones really who had speaking parts and lines and so on and so forth. So, you know, it was just, it was, you know... Really, really, it was a really, really good, you know, good, good blend of everything, right? So, let's go behind the scenes real quick. Uh, Michael Caine came on, and he told Brian Hansen the first thing that he told him was, look, this is a legitimate, legitimate movie. I can either play this goofily comedy, or I can play it like we're playing a stage play. And so, what he decided to do was he wanted to play Ebenezer Scrooge as straight as you can be. One of the best performances of Scrooge in cinema. Just legitimate. He was Ebenezer Scrooge. Uh, he didn't want any fourth wall breaks. He didn't want any winking and nodding. He didn't want to even acknowledge that the Muppets were Muppets. You know, he treated the Muppets like they were his co-stars, which they were. But I mean, you know, it, you know, he didn't want the Muppets to be goofy and, and he, didn't, he didn't want to be goofy. He just wanted to do kind of like the humans played it straight where the Muppets were the Muppets. That's, that's the best way I can, I can describe it. So, you know, he, he played it straight and he treated every single other... Uh, every Muppet as if it were another character in the book. So, for example, you know, he treated Kermit the Frog like Scrooge treated Cratchit. He didn't treat him any better or worse because he was an anthropomorphic frog, you know? Um, and the same thing with uh, the Marley Brothers, the same thing with Sam the Eagle, you know, same thing with, with pretty much every character. Uh, the only character, the only Muppets he didn't really interact with was uh, Rizzo the Rat and... Um, uh, Gonzo, which is ironic because they were the ones who followed him along through his journey. Um, you know, they wanted to use Gonzo and Rizzo as the narrators because Brian Hansen wanted to use a lot of the books, narrative and prose. And the good thing about that was, is that, it, you know, it, it kept the, it kept it, you, you realizing you're still watching about Ebenezer Scrooge. You're still watching Ebenezer Scrooge. You're still watching Scrooge. And yet then you had the, the, them in there for the comic relief when things got just a little bit too dark for a kid's movie. But, you know. To, to kind of keep the plot going. Uh, Steve Whitman played Kermit the Frog, as I mentioned, and he was the first person to do so after Jim Henson's death, and he was very, very nervous and, you know, taking on an iconic part. And ironically, see, this movie is about, you know, the Christmas Carol is basically about 
uh, a guy who's visited by spirits who tell him to change his life or else, right? That's that's it in a nutshell. Steve Whitmere claims that uh, Jim Hansen visited him in a dream and told him that, you know, it's okay, he could do the part justice and everything like that. And at that point, you know, Kermit the Frog became the Kermit the Frog we know now. Um, however, Sesame Street fans were a little ticked off because no uh, Muppets from the Sesame Street showed up. And, you know... On the one hand, I mean, again, Sesame Street was going a little downhill. I, didn't, I think they didn't want to water it down. Because, you know, you had the main cast, and you look at all these guys, you know, Kermit the Frog. Of course, Kermit the Frog's going to play the lead supporting character, I guess. And Miss Piggy was playing his wife, obviously, you know. So it just, it, it kind of made sense that you didn't want to throw Big Bird in there. Because Big Bird would have been completely out of place, you know. Um, oh, you could have used Grover. Yeah, you could have used Grover, maybe. You, you know, but you... you couldn't use a lot of those Muppets that were in Sesame Street because it just wouldn't fit. Now, they did use some Fraggle uh, rock puppets. Uh, like, uh, you know, and, and, and that's fine too, but I mean, I think Sesame Street characters would have stood out just a little bit and it would have been really, you know, just, just trying to get it through. So, you know, that's that's really, um, you know, yeah. Now, for, for people who have not read the book before and have only seen this movie, uh, the character of Robert Marley was actually made up for the sake of the script. Uh, uh, Brian Hansen wanted to use Waldorf and Stadler to play the, to play Marley, but they decided, you know what? Let's make them brothers. Let's give them, you know, let's give let's make another Marley. And and the idea behind that, on the one hand, because you don't go too deep into Marley's background, you know, you have really no story to split. So you can, you know, add the Marley brothers, the Marley brothers. And then when they show up, there's two of them and, you know, and they share the Lord, so to speak. Uh, he was named Robert Marley. So instead, so Jacob Marley was is the original Marley who's in the book and everything like that. And Robert Marley was created for the sake of this movie. Now, music fans will know Robert Marley is the name of one of the greatest uh, reggae musicians in the history of music, Bob Marley. Um... So, you know, he that, that's who he was named after. And another, you know, n- another great touch, I thought, was um, they had wailing cash boxes in their scene, which I'll get to here in a minute. But that was Bob Marley and the Wailers. See? Yeah. See, they did it right there. Uh, <laughs> also, you know, the only complaint I have with this movie, and we'll get to it when we talk about the plot here in a minute, is that they edited out one song because they thought it was too sad for a Disney movie. Which, okay, fair enough. If that's how you feel, great. But it kind of screwed up that part of the plot and it screwed up that scene completely because um you know at the time it, it was you know it it was a scene designed to tug at the emotions and show that scrooge wasn't always scrooge you know the scrooge that we know and no one hit so you know it's pulling it from the screen kind of didn't make sense now it has been restored to dvd and vhs releases but not in uh, television and streaming versions which it, to me, it doesn't make sense. I, th- I think that that song has to be in there because it is a pivotal plot in the movie, a pivotal point in the movie. But without it, you know, it kind of uh, delegitimizes certain parts of the movie. You know, it, it doesn't make sense. So, with that in mind, let's go right back to the beginning. The movie starts out with uh, Gonzo and Rizzo the Rat. Uh, Gonzo claimed to be Charles Dickens and Rizzo as his his friend. And uh, one of my favorite jokes in the movie already, in the first 10 minutes. I know this story like the back of my hand. Okay, fine. Prove it. Okay. There's a mole on my thumb, and there is a scar on my wrist from when I fell off my bike. And I laughed at, 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 at that for so long, and I still do. Um, basically, they point out that they're in London, and uh, they're about to enter the world of Ebenezer Scrooge. And he was about to turn around that corner. Where? There. When? 
now you know and and i love that i love that bit so there comes michael Caine in all his glory right and he's looking miserable and he's got a scowl on his face that even the legendary sir alex ferguson would go you know what dude you need to just chill out a little bit calm down you know it's not all that bad um and then it turns into the song scrooge now i mentioned this is a musical and i love this song man it was it's a dang good you know it's a good bouncy thing and it, it, it kind of uses this idea that Scrooge is so bad that everybody hates him nobody likes him you know and it's just yeah it, it, you know and and there's a line you know uh, hello Mr. Humbug hello Mr. Grimm if they gave a prize for being mean the winner would be him you know and it's just sort of vitriol of it and then at the end you know Scrooge is getting worse you know and Michael Caine just turns around and looks at everybody and they all scupper as if say, oh man, well, you know, what are we doing here? He basically frightens everybody that he knows. So Scrooge goes into his, uh, into his business, Scrooge and Marley. And uh, as we know, Marley was dead to begin with. Uh, so there he is with uh, Bob Cratchit and Cratchit's minions. Uh, they use the um, the crabs and the rats to, to kind of, you know, to, 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 to play to play off that uh, Scrooge was, you know, running a proper business. Because just one guy just doesn't look right. On screen, at least, anyway. So they used uh, Kermit the Frog. Kermit's coming in there. He's playing Bob Cratchit, and he's like, you know, we need to... Can we have tomorrow off? There's nobody to do business with. And they go, okay, fine. You can have the morning off. But you better come in in the afternoon. And everybody's all like, yay, excited. And they want some more coal for the fire. And one of my, another one of my favorite jokes is, you know, uh, Michael Caden writing down, scribbling, screaming, um, how will, you know... Uh, Basically going, how would uh, Mr. Cratchit and all his bookkeepers like to spend Christmas on the unemployment line? And then they, they turn around and it's like they're all in Hawaiian dress. It's like, ooh, we're in the island in the sun, <laughs> you know. And that made me laugh. I mean, it just, it, it made me laugh so hard. Even to this day, it made me laugh so hard. They were introduced to Fred Scrooge. Fred is uh, Ebenezer's nephew. And he shows up and, you know, invites uh, Scrooge over for Christmas. And, you know, Scrooge basically insults his wife. Tells him that he's got his head in the clouds and, you know, and, and, you know, Fred, on the other hand, though, sees the good in Scrooge and just goes, look, you know, one day you'll come around. One day you'll come around. I know it. And this point, they're interrupted by Beaker and Bernson, who are collecting for a charity. And at this point, you know, this is where I think Michael Caine doesn't get enough credit for his acting in this movie. Okay. As I mentioned earlier, you know, he wanted to play this totally serious. He basically demoralized when I was watching it, he demoralized me. And, you know, he demoralized these two two Muppets who were being controlled, you know, where you can't see them. But basically, put, you know, he used the classic line of, you know, are there no prisons, are there no pool houses? Oh, well, some folks would rather die. Well, if they're going to die, then let them do it. So we decrease the surplus population. And the way he says it, man, it's just so evil. You know, at this point in the movie, there is no way you would... Uh, you would think that there'd be any redemption. Even though you've known the story, the way that Kane is playing Scrooge is just done in such a way. I mean, it's perfect. It, it is absolutely perfect. Whenever I think of Ebenezer Scrooge, first person who pops up is Michael Kane because he did such a good job doing it. So then, you know, at the end of the day, Scrooge toddles off home and um, Kermit the Frog sings the song One More Sleep Till Christmas. Um, yeah, it's a good song. It's a, it, you know, it's a decent song. It's one for the kids, you know, it's all bouncy and happy and him and the bookkeepers close up books for the year and they go home. At this point, you know, it gets a little darker, right? And you've got, uh, Rizzo and Gonzo, you know, they're, they're hanging outside Scrooge's house on a, on a wagon and Scrooge is kind of feeling a little uneasy at this point. 
And as he goes to reach for the door knocker, it changes into Stadler's face, screaming Scrooge. Kind of like, uh, you know, in, in the book it says it, it did that change into Marley's face. So it changes to Jacob Marley's face in this instance. And, you know, Scrooge falls backwards and Rizzo ends up in a, in a, in a horse trough. <laughs> you know, Gonzo is, out, is knocked out cold and sits right up and carries on with the story. So Scrooge goes around his house, you know, he's checking all the windows, he's checking all the doors, you know, he's making sure that, you know, he, he's, he's, he's not going crazy. And the first thing that happens is he sits down, he starts eating his supper, and then all of a sudden, out comes the Marley Brothers. And this is probably, this is my favorite part of the movie, right? Uh, Waldorf and Stadler did it absolutely, they wrote the, the, that part excellently for them. Completely insulting Scrooge the whole time, completely talking down to him, you know. And the song Marley and Marley, I mean, you heard me and Tyne go on about it a little bit last week, but ooh, you know, it was absolutely fantastic, you know. It was saying how bad these three guys were of, you know, of how they screwed over everybody they could just to make a penny, you know. And and now, after they died, they were locked in chains because of their misdeeds growing up. And that Scrooge has a chain that is even bigger than theirs. And if Scrooge doesn't change his life, he'll be doomed for all eternity. You know, and it's it's such a dark song, but it's done in such a fun way. You know, it's it's one of those things, you know, um, you can do it. It's a fantastic, fantastic, upbeat, happy song with a very, very grim and serious message. And I love it when movies do that. That makes the things more, um, more iconic, you know. Absolutely iconic. So, Scrooge goes to sleep, and uh, after being warned by the Marleys if he doesn't change, he, he's going to end up dead with a huge chain and, and live eternity in, in, in doom, as well as the fact that he'll be visited by three spirits. Now, this is the thing. Spirits, not ghosts, spirits. There is a difference in the supernatural world. They were visited by the spirits of Christmas. Now, they refer to them as the ghosts of Christmas past. So is, is it a ghost or is it a spirit? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> that's just me being pedantic. Everybody don't write in. Um, so he's met by the ghosts of Christmas past. And it's a, basically a floating child. Um, and they take him to his old school where he, you know, he sees um, how he was as a child that he was, you know, he was always dedicated to work even then. He had very little time for friends and family. Um, then he moves on. Then they move on to, like, you know, when he started his career working for um, Fezziwig. Oh, in this case, Fozziwig. And he's working with the Marley Brothers, and, you know, they're at the Christmas party, and Scrooge is working, and Fezziwig is like, come on, just just put that down. Let's, let's have some fun, you know? Have fun. This is what we're here for. Relax. Here, let's introduce you to some people. You need to make some friends, you know? And kind of acting as if to say, look, we, look, you need to lighten up or you're going to, you know, you're going to snap. And he's introduced at that time to Belle. And uh, Belle became his fiance, And, you know, they, they, they laughed and loved. And, and at this time, Scrooge is just a normal guy. You know, nobody knows of his miserly ways. Nobody knows of his, his grumpiness or his, you know, his, for lack of a better term, his depression or anything like that. His greed and his, what will become his greed and his cruelty. And, you know, he's leading a normal life, and then after a couple of years, Belle leaves him because he's still a workaholic, and he's not paying attention to her, and he's not doing the right things. And that's where the song, uh, When Love Is Gone, is removed from the movie. And the whole point of that song was how much she loved him, but she couldn't 
be with him because he had to change. And at the end of that scene, you know, everybody's crying. Rizzo and Gonzo are crying. The the young the actor playing Scrooge is crying. Michael Caine is crying and demands that they return to the to the modern time at once. He's devastated. He's distraught. And it's at that point you can pinpoint it right there in the movie. If they'd have left that song and you'd be able to completely tell where Scrooge's life changed for the worse. Where he became the miser, the recluse, the guy who didn't want to deal with anybody, and dang it, this is me, leave me alone. So, after that, uh, you know, Scrooge goes back home and he's upset, and you hear a jolly, jolly laugh coming in the background. And, come along man, and know me better, the ghost of Christmas present. He is a little absent-minded spirit. No, he isn't. He's a large absent-minded spirit. Ho, 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 And they have their own Christmas song. And you can see during this, Scrooge is beginning to lighten up just a little bit. Not much, but but enough to see that there's good in him. You know, it's kind of like it's kind of like Darth Vader when he doesn't kill Luke Skywalker the first time he sees him. You know, he he he, he, he there's good in him. He 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 does know how to be light and fun and relaxed. The song is It Feels Like Christmas, and they even got Michael Caine singing bits as Scrooge in there, so, you know, he is starting to loosen up, and The Ghost of Christmas Present is actually quite funny and wise, you know, he, he, he takes, uh, he, he, he takes him around what would be Christmas the next day, everybody's laughing and loving and singing and dancing, and he's like, you know what, Let, let's go see family. So, they go to Fred's house. Now, again, he's he's a ghost, he's a spirit, he's only seen apparitions, so, you know, nobody can see him, nobody can, can, can do whatever. So, he's there, and they play a game, I can't remember what the game is called, and at this point, you know, Scrooge realizes that even in his own family, he's considered a joke. Now, to be fair, Clara does stick up for him a little bit, and Fred does stick up for him a little bit too, but they, they also have that whole... We're going to completely mock and relentless, you know, relentlessly mock him. And at this point, Scrooge is kind of not shocked, but like, you know, he know, he knows deep down that he's not liked. But at this point, he you know, he's never actually seen it in person because everybody's afraid of him. Nobody will say it to his face. So now they, they, he kind of finds out, whoa, am I really that bad? Like, I know, I, I know I'm not, I know I'm not the life and soul of the party. But really? this is oh wow you know so he said you know what no i want you to take me somewhere happy i want to go see the cratchits so they take him to the cratchits and then you've got uh tiny tim and um uh bob cratchit singing um one more sleep till christmas you know kind of do 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 you know all that rap and uh tiny tim and uh cratchit go home and Tim is just sick as a dog, right? He's he's very, very ill. And this was actually one of the first uh, adaptations to show Tiny Tim in that condition, right? So that, that's important. Uh, basically, the book was implying that it was a whooping cough or so, you know, just something that, that, that couldn't be cured back then. So, you know, they go and, they, and, and he sees the Christmas and, you know, uh, Miss Piggy's Miss Piggy and, uh, you know, Kermit the Frog's Kermit the Frog, and uh, Rizzle the Rat falls and lands on top of the goose, and it's it's just so funny that bit is. Um, and so they, you know, they, they do the whole thing, and Tiny Tim shows the world, you know, God blesses every one of us. And Scrooge goes to the uh, Ghost of Christmas present, he goes, okay, Spirit, tell me about the future of Tiny Tim. Will he ever get better? And the Spirit just flat out says, 
well, you know, my future, I see an empty chair. You know? And then turn then turns around and says, but that's okay, right? He's done it. He's dead, right? You know? So let him die. So we can decrease the surplus population. And at that moment, you kind of see Scrooge taken aback. And you can see his heart breaking. And Michael Caine pulled that off really, really good. It was like, whoa, wait a minute. The, you know, it, he's seeing what he does and who it has an effect on and how it has an effect. He's treated Cratchit like crap for years and years and years and years. And his family's living in poverty. But they're happy because they have each other. And Scrooge, can't, you know, Scrooge didn't understand that. And as soon as he sees them and realizes that Tiny Tim is not going to be around forever. And partly because of how he's handled Cratchit in the past, he's somewhat responsible for how Tiny Tim is. In, in a small sense. You know, it's kind of hitting home to him that maybe he does need to change his ways. Maybe he, maybe he has been wrong all these years. He walks off with the Ghost of Christmas present and, you know, they, they, they talk. It's like, well, I've got so much to learn. You know, I've learned so much. What more can you teach me? And the Ghost of Christmas present says, well, that's for somebody else to do. Uh, he's basically dying. And now we look to the future. And the first thing that happens is that Rizzo and Gonzo look at the Ghost of Christmas future and goes, yeah, I'm out. We'll see you later. And they use the, they use, you know, the visualization of death, you know, and the Ghost of Christmas Future takes Scrooge around the streets of London. And the first thing they do is they come across a pawn shop and, you know, they're discussing uh, a gentleman who recently passed and some of these trinkets that, that, that they were purchasing, you know. The, these are his curtains, the only warmth he ever had. <laughs> you know, and he's like, wow, you know, they must really hate that guy, you know. And he doesn't realize, he, 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 he knows, but he, he, he doesn't want to believe it. So, you know, they see a couple more images of people running down on this mysterious gentleman who died. And then he says, you know what, I want to see something happy. I want you to take me to the Cratchit's household. And so they go to Cratchit. And there's Miss Piggy in floods of tears. Uh, you know, Kermit walks in, uh, Cratchit walks in, and he gets hugged by his family. You know, not, okay, the first time you see them when they come in, you know, they basically dogpile on, on, on their father. This time they kind of all walk up and just, you know, give him like a bro hug and, you know, everybody's devastated. And you look over and you see an empty chair with a crutch. And I'm actually starting to tear up at this, good lord. Um, <laughs> and then he explains that, you know, they've just checked out uh, the spot in the park where he wanted to be buried because he loved the ducks. And, you know, it's just, it's devastated. You know, the family's completely devastated. And Scrooge is on the verge of, Scrooge is on the verge of breaking down. At this point, he knows that, you know, it's just, it, it's over, you know, I've got to change, I've got to be different. So the iconic shot of the movie then is, is you know, the one you've seen in all, all movies, the Ghost of Christmas Future takes him over to the graveyard, points to a headstone. Scrooge is begging this not to be true. He's he's literally almost pleading. He wants to change the future. He needs to know how. Please tell me how to change the future. What can I do to change? Please help me. And he rubs out the gravestone, and the gravestone is for Ebenezer Scrooge. He hasn't changed. He stayed the same, and that's where the world was going. And he has a complete another breakdown, pleading, begging to help him change. And he wakes up. 
He wakes up the next morning, falls out of bed, uh, knocks Rizzo off his window as he opens the door, or as he opens his window, yells down. Now, there was a, there was a child, and this is, this is funny, I left this bit out. Uh, there was a child who was singing Christmas carols at the beginning of the movie after uh, Fred left his office and Bunsen and Beaker got thrown out. Uh, penny for the song, Governor? And uh, he basically throws a wreath at him and sends him flying. Well, Scrooge calls out the window, Young lad! Who, me? And then he does the whole, What day is this? Well, today is Christmas. And he demands that this child go buy him the biggest turkey he could find and keep the change for himself. And he went and got dressed and started, you know, uh, wishing everybody a Merry Christmas, smiling, dancing, singing, and sings a song called Frank Thankful Heart. And, you know, he, he's, he's, he's playing and dancing. He buys all these gifts. He goes to old folks home where Sam the Eagle and uh, Fezzy Wig are there in their old age. And, you know, he buys them presents. Uh, he goes and sees uh, Fred and Clara. You know, he buys them presents and, and hugs them and tells them that, you know, they're, they're more than welcome. And, and you know, he's going to change his ways. Uh, they start dancing. And the whole town yesterday was calling him everything from a dog to a pig. And then all of a sudden they're joining him in, in you know, in this life. And they end toward Cratchit's house. And he shoes everybody away. And he puts on the Ebenezer Scrooge voice. And starts yelling through the door that Cratchit is not at work. Then I'm going to have to do something about it. And one of the things I love is Miss Piggy's reaction. And she just goes off on him, tells him about, about his other curb. It's all, no, no, please don't. And then he goes, and therefore, Bob Cratchit. I'm going to give you a raise. And therefore, Ebenezer Scrooge, I'm going to raise you right off the pavement. Wait, what? <laughs> and at that point, uh, Scrooge makes um, Cratchit a partner in the firm, uh, gives him a pay raise, and helps pay for Tiny Tim's medical expenses. And at this point, you know, we find out that Tiny Tim did not die. He actually survived his illness. And Scrooge became like a second father, more like a grandfather to him. And that everybody lived happily ever after. And that's basically, that, that's the plot of the movie, you know. Um, it does deal with a lot of things like greed and cruelty. I mean, Scrooge is a cruel, cruel man for the first half of the movie. He is greedy. He refuses to turn the heat on when people get cold, you know. But And he is very, very cruel. The way he treats the the singing bunny, the way he treats Bunsen and Beaker. Uh, the, even, even in his redemption, he knew how to pull that cruelty card out to, to, to torment Cratchit just one last time. Not intentional, you know, he's trying to be funny and everything like that, but it was still a, a, to a torment, you know, he still tormented him. Um, he did the same thing, you know, with, um, you know, with Fred. He, he tormented him and to the point where Fred is like, look, you know, you were, you were going to be good one day. Um, he was very, very greedy as a youngster. You know, he wanted to be, he wanted the money and everything like that. And it led to the estrangement of his fiance and everybody who cared about him. In fact, at the, at the point of his life, he led the life of Jacob and Robert Marley, who were scumbags, you know? Do you remember when we invicted the entire orphanage? Oh, yeah, all these kids out there with their frostbitten teddy bears. <laughs> you know, just they were, they were awful people. And he led their life, you know? Um, but it does have some, some, some things, too. Uh, you know, it does play into the, the, the role of charity with people. And he sees the charity that um, Cratchit gives his family. Uh, also, you know, I, uh, I didn't mention this, but um, after the charity collectors come by the day before and he said, let's decrease the surplus population, uh, he actually gave them a sizable donation the next day when he'd come around and, you know, and showed that that maybe it's everything that we do is all in us. Every bit of goods in us and every bit of bads in us that we do. And, you know, he had a redemption 
but it wasn't, you know, it, it was a shocking redemption. He needed that redemption. And not only did he get it, but he also redeemed Tiny Tim. He also redeemed uh, Cratchit. Because remember, they were living on the poverty line. How much longer could they have lived the way they did without having to send the kids to the workhouses or the poor houses? You know, um, it does deal with love and loneliness. He does see uh, Scrooge does see how uh, Fred and Clara interact with each other, and how uh, Cratchit and Emily Cratchit interact with each other, and how much they they are completely not in love with their families. And you know, he's envious of that, but he tries not to show it. And I think with the uh, you know with the whole thing of of the Bell situation. That was, you know, that that was the point, I think, where Ebenezer Scrooge became Ebenezer Scrooge. You know, he was just Ebenezer, Ebenezer at that point, but that's when he became Scrooge, you know? Because there's a different connotation between those worlds. Um, and so he, he decided he'd rather be, live his life as a lonely miser than get hurt again. And I think that's the key, because he was hurt by Bell. Bell broke his heart in a way that never healed. And sometimes, you know, in life we get that, that there's, there is that one who will break your heart and you will never, ever replace them. Now, thankfully, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that never happens to me because if, you know, if me and Sarah touch wood, we'll never, but should we ever split up, I would feel the same way. You know, that is my heart right there. And, you know, Belle went on to lead a happy life and Scrooge led a miserable existence. You know, and it also deals with death and disease. I mean, Scrooge seeing that he was dying as a villain, you know, as the ultimate villain, shook him to the point where he, you know, he changed his ways. But you also had Tiny Tim with his illness, um, you know, the pool houses and everything like that. It shows that London in that era was not a healthy place to be. Um, you know, there there is, for a kid's movie, there is a surprising amount of darkness and death in this movie. And it's definitely during that last, uh, that last ghost, you know. And, you know, you've got T- Tiny Tim with his illness, and you've got, you know, the people living out in the streets, even even the rabbit who he threw the uh, the wreath at and told him by the turkey was living in, in a cardboard box, you know, and it just showed you how things were at the time. You know, the poor houses, the workhouses, the prisons, you know, 19th century London was a very, very difficult place to live. So, but with that in mind, guys, okay, it's kind of short, but, you know, because I'm not bouncing back and forth, this is just basically my stream of consciousness. Um, this is a 9 out of 10 movie for me. It would be 10 out of 10, but because they took the be- the song for Bell out, When Love Is Gone, I think that right there brings it down a point, because with that scene in there, it would have shown exactly how Scrooge was, Scrooge is, and how Scrooge was going to be. Um, this movie brought them up its back into the top after a slight downturn after Henson's death, and it was the first movie that took kind of older novels and made them kid-friendly. It inspired a lot, a lot of things, you know, to be able to tell kid-friendly stories with old, with old media, and be able to use the old media well. I think the, the, the blending of serious acting with the Muppets' antics was fantastic. It's kind of like, um, Airplane, you know, everybody who worked on Airplane was told, no winking and nodding, no laughing. We're playing this serious. But surely you can't be serious. I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. The reason those lines are funny is because they played them deadpan straight. And Michael Caine's Scrooge was the most deadpan, straightest Scrooge you will ever see in a movie. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's on YouTube, Amazon Prime, and a couple of things if, if you wish to pay for it. Um, it was also one of the first family films with a dark atmosphere. Now, you had things like The Labyrinth and Never Ending Story and so on. But, I mean, those weren't that dark 
they would darken a fantasy level, whereas this was dark in a reality level, which was one of the few things. Uh, Michael Caine thinks this is one of the most iconic roles, and of course, this movie, because I love it so much, is a tradition in the Conley household. So, you know, if you haven't seen it, guys, go out there and see it. If you're on Amazon Prime, YouTube, etc., etc., etc. And I don't mean some dodgy YouTube, you know, Muppet Christmas Carol, English subtitles, .jpeg, .4. I'm talking about, like, you know, legitimate YouTube rental and stuff like that. So, guys, we will be back in a couple of minutes, and we'll just round it out, and we'll be back now. Alright guys, thank you for taking the time to listen to my ramblings. Um, I still think that that's a fantastic movie, and if you haven't seen it, please go do it. If, you know, again, if you like literature and you like Muppet jokes, then it's, it's the movie for you. So guys, I hope uh, everybody is doing well. Again, we got Christmas coming up, and I want to wish everybody a happy holiday season, especially uh, depending on your religious preferences. Um, I know recently we just had Hanukkah, and we've got a couple more holidays coming up, uh, with the predominant one being Christmas. Um, and so with that in mind, I hope everybody has... A spectacular holiday season. In the meantime, if you are on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, look up Because Maybe Podcast. Uh, look us up on Spotify, YouTube, if you want some sample episodes and whatnot. And, you know, look us up on Apple Podcasts. Give us a like, give us a share. You know, we need to grow our audience a little bit. And, you know, we, we, we're doing good. And, and, again, I thank everybody who has uh, helped us over the last couple of months. You know, from uh, Greg, Luke, uh, Dexter, Ben, Sarah, and Tara. You know, I appreciate everything that they've done. Uh, talking of Sarah, she will be joining me next week as we continue our movie, uh, our Christmas movie marathon, so to speak. And we look at two movies. Because it's hard to talk about one without the other in this case. We're going to be looking at uh, the pa- the the only two Home Alones that I will acknowledge exist. Uh, we look at Home Alone 1 and Home Alone 2 Lost in New York. Um, basically how, you know, I, th- I can't remember who, who described it. Basically, uh, one part Ferris Bueller, one part Saw. You know, and yeah. And then in two weeks' time, we have a season finale where we look at Four Rooms, which is the only New Year movie I could find that was made in the 90s that wasn't a romantic comedy. So, with that in mind, guys, I hope everybody is doing well. Have a fantastic holiday whichever holiday is for you and we will see you next week see you later That Marley and Marley. Ooh.